Hey friends, it's Julia, and this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. And on today's show, Christina and I are talking Younger. Younger first aired on February 24th, 2015, based on a book of the same name. The television show was created and developed by Darren Starr. The premise? 40-year-old Liza is newly divorced, has a teenage daughter, and finds herself needing a new job. After attempting to gain employment as herself, the 40-year-old version, she ends up in a bar and meets Josh, a 26-year-old tattoo artist. Josh mistakes Liza to be close in age. After this, she and her friend Maggie concoct a plan to pass her off as a 20-something to re-enter the publishing industry. She quickly lands the job of assistant to Empirical Press's marketing head, Diana Trout. While at Empirical Press, Liza makes friends with Kelsey Peters. The show stars Sutton Foster's Liza and Hilary Duff as Kelsey Peters, and a whole host of other incredible actors. As Liza navigates the 20-something world she claims to be a part of, her 40-year-old world is still front and center. Liza's decision to portray herself as a younger version is a means of survival in a harsh, ageist world of publishing. In the first episode, we meet Liza Miller. She's newly divorced with a teenage daughter, and she is putting herself back out there to find a job. Before becoming a mother, she worked in publishing, and 15 years later, she's attempting to bark on that career again. In interviews, she's faced with sidestepped ageism. No one respects the 15 years she just spent keeping a human alive and a functioning member of society. When she decides to pretend to be a 20-something, she faces the other side of that coin. In an interview with Diana Trout at Empirical, she's constantly being told she is a child and doesn't have the wisdom to do the work. Even though I was 31 when the show first aired, that didn't change the fact that I knew that my next phase of parenting, the teenage years, would fly Bye. And I had no idea who I was going to be or what I was going to do to ensure my life had substance to keep me going as an empty nester. Then in 2016, I was fired from a job and spent the next few years desperately trying to find work that fit my skill set, all while putting myself through graduate school. Suddenly, the idea of lying about my age sounded pretty appealing. Liza's two lives, though completely different from my own experience, were still something I could relate to. My biracial life has always forced me to live in two worlds. The roads that lead to the intersections of my experience are many, but the one that will never change is my ambiguous ethnicity and my experiences that lie within that. Though Younger has a predominantly white cast that rarely addresses racial issues, Liza was what kept me into the show. Well, that and Josh and Charles and Zane. In this two-part special, Christina and I will be looking at Younger from all angles. I never got the experience of leaving home and living life somewhere else. So when television and movies have these unrealistic storylines of 20 and 30-somethings living their best lives before having a family, I have a twinge of jealousy. Now in my late 30s, I don't really know if I have the stamina to live my best life post-child-rearing. I'm tired by nine, like Liza, and yet I still kind of dream of that unrealistic life happening for me. Hey friends, I just wanted to pop in real quick and say thanks for listening. 
and sticking with us. I really appreciate it. And you taking the time to listen really means a lot. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you could drop us a review. I know it's not always an easy task or sometimes we think we'll do it real quick and then we get distracted. Heavens knows I'm the queen of getting distracted. It would really mean a lot to me if you just drop a couple of notes on what you think of the show. I would love it if you gave us five stars, but you know, you do you. I understand you have to be true to what your your belief system is about this program. With that said, I'll let you get back to the show now. When did you discover younger? I didn't write this question down, but I'm curious. Were you from the um, beginning or did you come in like, because it was 2015, it released in 2015. Okay, I was not from the beginning. I I discovered it when I got Hulu for the first time. So I think I got Hulu like three or four years ago. Okay. And so I think they had like two or three seasons out. Yeah, at least they had a really long gap of time there for between a couple of the seasons. I forget specifically which ones, but it was like, I've been waiting when I first heard about the show, because I think I heard about it like way before I, well, of course they've heard about it before I started watching it, but was it TV land's plan? Like that was their plan to get a younger demographic on their channel. That's a really good question because it's not their first original show, but it is their first original show that sort of has this younger concept. It's based on a book. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I don't know why I have this feeling or vague memory. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was a dream. Who knows? But I want to say like we discussed it. It could have been in like a college class or something. We discussed how TV land had a certain demographic, like a market. And especially during that time. And it was a lot of like old reruns, like um, Golden Girls and stuff. And so it just had a like, and like Gunsmoke and just like an Mm -hmm. older demographic. Well, that was the establishment of TV Land was to sort of go back to the golden days of TV. TV Land kind of, not a younger demographic, but they started making a couple shows that were gearing towards different demographics. Because when you go towards just solely an older demographic, like that demographic, no offense, dies off. Like, yeah, you got to kind of have to appeal to newer people and stuff. And then also, like, of course, with changing markets, they probably wanted to adapt and just dabble into new things anyway. And so I'm guessing like mixing the like the ideas of why is ageism such a thing Mm -hmm. probably helped as well. I don't know. Honestly, this could be my own theory that I thought would have been a good conversation. It's not a bad theory because for those of you listening, Younger is a show that TV Land developed. uh, Well, Darren Starr, who's of Sex and the City fame, developed the show for television. I feel for Liza, like the first two seasons really hit for me because her daughter's in high school and she's, you know, independent and she's studying abroad and she's got to figure out who she is now. And she never stopped loving literature. She never stopped loving books in the industry. And, you know, we learned throughout the show that she's still very into that. She's trying to figure out who she is now. And she's in this weird place because she's, she's got to play pretend to survive because you don't give a 40 year old woman an entry level position. That's very, very rare. When I lost my job in 2016 and I was only 31 and just the hurdles I faced at 31 to try if to find a job in between all the part-time jobs and all the freelance work, it still wasn't enough, but I, I repackaged my resume. So you wouldn't think that I was 
over 30. I appreciate the relationships of all the women on the show because I think it shows like, I don't know if this is your experience in your 20s, but my experience in my 20s was not like, hey, we work together and now we're going to be friends. And then we actually become friends. Like nobody make like, oh, I guess you and I did that. I don't know, Julia, all the friends that I've made have been by work or just, yeah, force school situations where we cannot leave. Yeah. Here's how people become friends with me, Julia, is because I don't ever actually want to be anyone's friend. So people just mistake like my niceness for friendship. And it just keeps lingering to the point where someone asks or I ask somebody to do something like outside of work. And it might not necessarily be a friendship olive branch, but it's just an olive branch. And then it goes too far. And next thing you know, is this your way of telling me that you didn't actually want to be my friend? You just made me No, I actually remember very well when uh, you, we worked our first shift together. I want to say Jesse was also there. And me and Jesse just were like fascinated for some reason. We thought you were fascinated by me. Yeah, we thought you were just so cool. That's because I was, that's when I was young and hot. If you met me now for the first time, you'd be like, who's this old hag with her secretary walk? What does that even mean? So let's anyway. talk about the robust female relationships on the show. I think let's that, talk about them. Yeah. Who, Who's your favorite character? So this is hard because when the show okay. first started, I really related to Liza and her struggle. Like facing single motherhood for the first time is really hard, especially when your child in my experience, especially when your child is in their teen years, because it's a totally different thing now. You have to figure out not only how to parent a teenager, but now you have to figure out how to be an independent person again. Like that's just, that's a lot. So the first two seasons, I really, really am like, ah, Liza, you're my girl. Like I would love the opportunity to have a do-over like she's having start at the bottom of a career I've always wanted and work my way up because by season two, they have their own, she and Kelsey have their own imprint, super hot tattoo artist boyfriend who finds me super hot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause obviously Liza was 40. Um, Exactly. She's just living her best life. And I love that. And I never had that. I never had the pre-kid life. I never had the pre-child life. I was 20 when I had mine. So Everything was like very Modesto in the sense that everybody parties if they go to MJC. Like nobody actually takes MJC seriously at 18. And no, there they was don't. Just, no, and it was just Speaking it was facts. like an, it was an extension of high school. There was no actual adulting involved. So there was just a lot of partying. And that's not the same as what Liza's getting to redo, right? Like she's moved to New York. She's having this experience of being young and free and sort of not having the burdens of like adulting that would normally happen for a 40 year old woman and so so the first two seasons I was like I'm Eliza Diana's sort of I've lived my life and now I'm feeling lonely and like season three starts to like feel real to me and I start to kind of get her even though I haven't lived my life in the same way as Diana has um And now I just don't know. I love them all. Except for Quinn. I I fucking hate Quinn. That's a whole separate topic we can talk about later. I've got Quinn can suck it. Out of the main cast. Who's your favorite? (sighs) Okay. It's not easy. 
It's not easy. Here's what I really, really admire about Liza mm-hmm. and like her character throughout all of the seasons is even, and it's super tricky to word this because I know that like, let's just get it out of the way. She's lying. Like she's lying. Yeah. Okay. Aside from that lie about her age, she handles herself with such grace yeah. and like elegance and the way she words everything and the way she has such like understanding for people and their situations and I love that like she has such a sweet and genuine heart and it Mm -hmm. radiates and I think that's why I like her character so much I love how fiery Kelsey is while also remaining like like a go-getter like she has all these like big exciting plans for herself but at the same time she's like she's she's in her like I resonate with her she's struggling like Mm -hmm. she messes up but then she owns up to him immediately and tries to turn it around for herself and it's like she's so good at that but then she also doesn't see how she keeps putting herself in that same cycle of like mess ups and I resonate with that because I too just realized that I do that and I'm like okay let's face this and fix it right we all do it to an extent but like I appreciate that about her character and I love that her and like Liza really do have each other's backs Mm -hmm. and like in a professional sense and in like a personal sense and I that's super awesome and on the flip side she also has Maggie in her life which is just a completely different type of relationship and I love that like I love that they're different lifestyles they're different I like that they're they're like a great example of unconditional love and a friendship Mm -hmm. I think that's what happens when you've been friends with somebody for that long of a time what's great about maggie's character is that she can live in liza's duality with her Mm -hmm. she gets to not only like live there with her but kind of be like a not a guide because she never actually pushes her sways her she just lets her be like an open canvas almost Mm -hmm. like for her own emotion she's like i don't know what are you feeling you tell me what you think you're gonna do next and it's like she's almost just like her free little spirit guide like you are gonna pick this path I'm just here for it (laughs) and it's so nice because it's such that's really honestly like a true friend right there like as Mm -hmm. long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else like a true friend will support like your little authentic path and be like you're gonna make mistakes but you do you man I want to go back to the Liza lie though because I feel like she lies about her age but she's not like living okay yes she's living a lie but she's not really living a lie right yes, like that's why she's lying about her age but she's still she's still herself and that's the part that I think is kind of hard hard because again <laughs> generational differences sorry Christina my generation's like wasn't so big like you know our parents white lied us and then we find out and we're like yeah, okay you know because we're white lying our children but like my child's generation and I see it sort of with like the younger millennials too where there's just this like everything has to be the truth we need all of 100 the truth and I'm over here like no I'm good I don't need the entire truth unless it's like you know you have an std and i need to know kind of stuff right like for so for me it's gray like lying is a gray area in my son's generation there is no gray area in lying and i'm so curious how that transition happened because liza's lied about her age but she's still being who she is she's still her personality her character traits she's not changed anything else other than like 
she doesn't really talk about her past in the beginning. She omits things, which lying by omission is a whole different topic. But I guess I understand that because I'm the person who's like, I I will tell you what you need to know about my life when I'm ready to tell you what you need to know about my life. So like when Kelsey in season three, episode 12 finds out that Liza has been lying and she feels like their entire relationship's a lie. And same with Josh, when he finds out that she's really 40 and he just is like, everything we've built is a lie. And I'm like, but not, but not really. So it's not really. Is it? Am I just being like weird? Do I need to get on this train of like lying's black and white? Because I feel like it's gray. Mm, It's not. uh, I agree that it's gray. I will say though that their feelings are valid, that they have a moment where they feel that panic of what else are you lying to me about if you lied to me about something so simple and stupid Mm -hmm. about your age? Because if someone, I, And this is coming from someone who's had a multitude of people lie to me about a multitude of deaf, like stupid things. (laughs) I remember dating a guy once who lied to me about like someone being like alive or not. And then later on, I found out they were alive. And I'm like, why would you lie about that? Like death is not something you would lie about. And in that moment, like you have all of these whirlwind of feelings. Like if you can lie to me about this so casually, what else could you lie to me about? And so I think it's more so that because the, all of these people do forgive her pretty quickly. Yeah, once they find out the truth about the situation and why she exactly. did it, you know, which they I think is, I think that's why I don't think it is. I don't think these people are responding to a black and white lie. I think they are responding to gray area, but they're having a very valid response, which is there's shock. And in shock, I have a valid reaction, which is you're surprising me with a bunch of info that was I'm not equipped to handle and Mm -hmm. that has way more questions for me now than answers and I think that's more where it's coming from not necessarily like not getting the gray area because I think they all get the gray area which is why all of them come to their like her defense and want Mm -hmm. her to keep going with millennial and keep being Mm -hmm. the face of it and the attitude of it and all of that that's just my take on it though. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair take and I, and you're not wrong. They're totally valid in their feelings. I guess as a person who's been lied to multiple times, uh, especially by her baby daddy and best friend about whatever it was the fuck they were doing, there were other things in the relationship about those relationships, that piece of information that was missing and then came to light didn't change how I viewed those relationships in the long run. It was other things later on. Okay, this is like a completely different side, different topic, but Lauren, what are your thoughts on Lauren? I love her on the show. She would stress me the fuck out as a real friend. Does she look like Tori Spelling to you? Oh, kind of. Yeah, now that you say it, I could see it. I like I knew she wasn't Tori Spelling, but I was like, ma'am, I can't unsee it now. I think that she's a necessary tool in the show because she forces the the women out of their boxes and she's so the opposite of everybody on the show. She's fluid. She's bold. She doesn't really have a whole lot of like... I can appreciate the over a top, how her character is and who she is and what she brings to the table. Mm-hmm. However, I can't stand her. <laughs> yeah. However's a fancy but Why can't you stand her? She just drives me crazy. She stresses me out. Every time she's on screen, I just feel panic. I'm like, ma'am, have you ever seen the movie? (laughs) I'm sure you have Superstar with Molly Cannon. Yeah, of course I have. I feel uncomfortable when I watch that movie. Okay. Like, I just feel like my skin's crawling for her. 
And that's how I feel whenever Lauren comes on the screen. I'm just like, you're feeling embarrassed for her. Yes, but not like I'm not embarrassed for her because I like you're embarrassed I'm em- by her. No, I think I'm embarrassed because it's so completely opposite of what I would be. And I automatically try to put myself in other people's shoes and I can't think of myself being that way. And so I just get so embarrassed. Like if I was like that people, like, I don't know. I just get so embarrassed for myself. So I would say that in, I'm not a group girl. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love shows like Younger and (laughs) Sex and the City, even though they have their issues, it's they're a group. They're a group that is ride or die for each other. And that's not how I roll. I have my individual friends that I give my heart and soul to. And then they have groups that they're in that they plug me into when we, when we do stuff, when they do stuff in that situation, because I'm not a group girl, I'm a solo friend. I do have the potential to be Lauren when she's on a calm day. I know trends I know hip stuff like I just said hip stuff I clearly am not very cool if I just fucking said I know hip stuff but you know I know trends and hip stuff yeah right (laughs) but that's you know part of my job is to my my day job is to be aware of current culture in a lot of capacities um and so I when she's like there's an episode in season one where Eliza needs like $1,800 to pay for her daughter's tuition, but nobody knows she has a daughter. So she's like, oh, you have to pay $1,800 for my uh, student loans. And, and, and Lauren's like, oh, just sell your panties for like $200 a pop. Easy peasy. <laughs> like I'm the friend who's going to know that. But I feel like, like she knows random shit like that. Like that's, and, and in fairness, there are things that I don't know. So when I do have a friend that pulls a thing like that, but there's like random shit I know. So people who don't stay current on culture with like, I'm their Lauren because they're not current on culture. If that makes any sense. Oh, I understand. Like I, like I said, I do. That's why I don't know how to word it. Like, like I appreciate her character. I, I'm not embarrassed for her. I'm not embarrassed by her. Okay. She's just so opposite and so far from my personality type mm-hmm. that I can't help but feel just residential embarrassment. So I'm like, I can't even think in like, like, I honestly can't understand that there's people that just feel that confident. I'm like, what is yeah. that like? Yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, it's, if that's more what it is, like, I just, I can't, I can't connect with her. And that's why I'm like, that's why I don't like her. It. It's, it's not her. It's me. But I also think they crank her up that like that on purpose. When you dial her back, she's totally like the friend that you need. That's going to push you out of your box. But when she's like on fire, like the, I don't know if you remember when she threw the bridal or the engagement party for Kelsey and Thad, like she got a fucking hawk. Like who does that? Like, no, I think that that's, I guess, probably more my problem too is, and I get that TV has to do that, but I don't like that. There's always a character on every show. That's just so outlandish. Like, yeah, they're a caricature, not a character. Exactly. Where it's like, I I mean, yeah, we all have friends who are kind of crazy, but it's like, is anyone really that good of a friend with someone who's that intense all the time? Like, I don't know. I'm sure listeners, listeners, <laughs> email us at popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com and send us a voice note about your friend who is like Lauren on Younger. We are dying to know what that kind of extrovert is. Okay. And tell me why you love them. Why do you love them? I need to know. Give me it all. Yes. 
help these two introverts out. <laughs> yeah. The introvert in me is cringing. Yes, yes, yes. I want to talk about in episode 12 of season three, Kelsey, and I know that you started in a different spot, but that's the pinnacle of the show because that's when Kelsey finds out that Liza's really been lying to her about her age this entire time. I guess I didn't realize like how long ago it had been that Kelsey found out versus everybody else. Yeah, because it's small, right? So Josh finds Mm -hmm. out at the end of season one, Kelsey finds out at the end of season three. And I think everybody else finds out by season four because they're not yearly, right? So season Uh -uh. two picks up right, like literally days after season one's storyline ends it's two days later and then it's season two and I think season three and four like that but I don't because Kelsey is turning 30 in season seven and she's 26 in season one so we've seven seasons to get to four years that was hula hoops was that hard to follow a little but I mean like we got there yeah okay (laughs) I had to to focus a lot if we're being honest well, you know, I'm not going to lie. I've rewatched the show multiple times because I want my life to be in New York living. I actually, I don't have the, I don't have the stamina to be somebody's assist- assistant and start from the bottom like that, but I definitely want super hot boyfriend to walk down the streets of Manhattan with. I don't know if I want to be a New Yorker or if I just want to visit New York and then be like, Ooh, I'm I'm California kid. You know what I want to do? You know what I'm, here's my perfect life. I don't, I have a permanent resident here where we live, but maybe I keep this apartment for the rest of my life or until my landlords die. I don't know. And then I spend months at a time somewhere. So I live like a local, but I know I'm going to come home and reset at some point. Ooh, I like this plan. I, that's literally been my dream since I was 18 not even 16. That's always what I've wanted to do. Go to Europe for a couple years and then come back, like just float, survive, collect experiences. Like my parents' generation, which is the boomer generation is very big on have the steady job for 30 years. You have to have good retirement. And I'm like, I don't want to spend my life in an office. That doesn't sound like fun to me. Even if I have my Uh dream job, I don't want to spend my life dictated by, well, I guess my, I guess my dream job it wouldn't feel like it because on days when I have to do photo shoots or video shoots, it doesn't feel like work. And I'm like, I could do this shit all day, every day easily. But when I have to get back into the office and do editing and like that kind of stuff, that's when I'm like, I'm in low power mode. I love editing, but also I've been doing this for 12 hours and it's time to like do something else. I think it's fair though, to want anything that Darren creates because it's unrealistic and nobody would actually live like this. Oh my God, Wait, Emily in Paris, that, and then that shit got nominated for a Golden Globe. Like, uh-uh, nope, you got nominated for a Golden Globe out of desperation because we were all in the midst of a pandemic and couldn't fucking go to Paris. <laughs> I didn't watch that one. Not ever, like my friends over, like I had, I have one friend who stuck through the entire season and she and I love it, but it's not a great show. Like it's not Golden Globe worthy and everybody else I know is like I saw I watched the first episode was like this isn't for me (laughs) fair I also want to live a life where three hot men are all chasing for my affection so give me that so Kelsey finds out that 
Liza's been lying. And then the opening of season four is they're not talking. They don't have their relationship is on the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's coming back to me slowly, but it's all coming back to me now. That kind of goes back again to like what we were talking about earlier, where like the reaction, like her reaction was hurt and anger mm-hmm. and she wanted to distance herself from Liza. But again, like I really love what Liza does where she just sticks true to herself and mm-hmm. she gives her space and she gives her time to feel her feelings. And then she continues to say like, when you're ready to let, like when yeah. you're ready to let me show you that I'm still the same person. The only thing I did lie about was my age. Like mm-hmm. I'll be right here. Yeah. And as soon as Kelsey comes back, she's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Cause everything they built is strong enough to get them through that and I just I really loved that I loved that yeah it it Kelsey could see it really was just about the age and that she recognized and realized that this woman still helped her navigate all of these difficult things that she went through and is a solid piece of the foundation she is building in her adulthood whatever people want to think about younger I think they do a really good job at showing the versatility of female relationships and just how complex they are. You know, I think we get a reputation of we're bitches to each other and we're catty and we're backstabby. And, you know, it's hard to have relationships with women, but younger demonstrates just how complex it really can be granted. It's a fictional world. And sometimes there are moments that I'm just like, okay, but it's TV. There's going to be those moments. Hey, you make a really good point. I would also say it points to the fact that like age really, you can be friends with anybody. Like your age really mm-hmm. doesn't matter, especially mm-hmm. like in your workforce. Like, I feel like that's when you do get the weirdest friendships because yeah. you're like, you guys are all here, whatever your circumstances, whatever your roles are, like you might be different ages, but like sometimes I remember like one of my favorite coworkers of all time is Radine. No one would ever think that like someone who's like my mom's age, she's a grandmother to like four grandbabies now. One of my best friends at Mm -hmm. work when we worked together because she was hilarious. We would sing, we would dance, we would have fun. We would, she would teach me things. I would always be like, wow, I'm not a very good woman. Am I (laughs) reading? I didn't know this. I, I understand. One of my best friends is, I think she's 18 or 19 years older than I am. And I've known her since I was 15. We met at church when I was still forced to go to church. And, you know, she saw this like awkward punk rock kid and thought, no, that's a human that I'm going to mentor and keep tabs on. And then we just blossomed into really great friendship. She really like, I, mm, she's, it's okay this is where I get more video ready it's gonna be real fucking hard when I can't like like when she goes I it's gonna be like losing an aunt oh that says a lot though about like how much she means to you she hosted my bachelor's degree graduation party she let me host it she let me have the party at her house is this the lady that I visited you like she has a pool she got a really mm-hmm. cool house um mm-hmm. and like it she had all these like yeah I sat and talked with her we talked about backyard. like our yes mm-hmm. yes okay <laughs> let's talk about like okay I have had a lot of office jobs in my life 
never have I ever dressed like any of these women to my office job. Yeah. Like, is that allowed in publishing? I would expect that in a fashion house, like this very chic stuff. Like, is that normal for New York City? That's what I want to know. Or like, where is that normal? Where do you get these clothes? How do you get the confidence to start wearing these outfits on the regular? Like, I, oh, I love I them. I, I bet it's love living them. there. I'm just like, I if I wore that, you know how many people would look at me and just point out the fact that I was wearing that? Like, Listen, that's wear- because we live in fucking where everyone shops at Macy's and H&M and these hell of expensive boutiques that make us all look like basic bitches. <laughs> I ordered there is no like like sheen and so I have like these cute I basic I don't care though these cute like white shorts though that I wore today and I'm not kidding like I didn't even wear them like that long and like people were like staring and I'm like they're white shorts yeah they're people own white shorts guys it's true but think about where we live and our shopping options they're not there's not a lot of options. Big time designers aren't going to open up a shop here for us to buy clothes in. You know, we've got Target. Our That's clothes. where I get most of my clothes. When my sister used to live in Seattle and we'd go shopping, it was like, not going to lie. I did when I was a size eight, which in my mind for fashion to be a fashionista was the ideal size, which is unfair because now that I'm not a size eight, it is very difficult to find clothing and it's frustrating. So can I but- ask, um, sorry, okay. this is a personal question. You don't have to answer, but can I ask why you thought a size eight was ideal? Just because Every in my style- mind and like in my pop culture media reference, like a two or a four, like a four in my mind was the ideal size. Two and four is too skinny. You can see your bones and that's not healthy. Even when I was a four, you could see my hip bones and I don't have fucking hips. That's not, it's not cute. And if somebody is that size, because that's their natural physique, that's different. But when you are a girl like me, who's curvy and thin, or I was thin, eight was the ideal size because literally every style I wore looked good on my body. And so, and I felt confident and comfortable in that. And so some of those styles don't translate into larger sizes, not because they can't translate, but because nobody makes certain styles in those sizes. And that's really fucking frustrating. But when we'd visit my sister in Seattle, it was, oh man, girl, the bulk of my credit card debt was like fat, fantastic clothes. But I also would buy shit for a deal. Um, And like, I had all kinds of like, well, for Modesto, great designer names. I had a very excellent wardrobe. And then I went to grad school and got the grad school blues and just ate all of my feelings instead of working out and continuing to work out. And then COVID happened. So of course everyone got the COVID Wait, I can see New York city being that fashionable, but is that real? But like, like I do said you at work the beginning, in a, how do you have the, I guess like the income, not the income I get like you're working all the time of course you have the income to look nice but how do you have the energy to put that much like to apply your makeup like that and to do your hair like that every day and then to make it to work on time and then to have time in the morning to go get coffee as well and again it makes why is the sun always at the same spot when they're going to work like what's a realistic weather 
I was that girl. I had full makeup. I had full hair. Once a week, I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning to, and I didn't go to the gym, but I would shower, wash my hair, dry it and flat, flat, take a flat iron or curling iron to it. The other days of the week, I'd go to the gym, come home, shower, and like apply full face makeup, touch up my hair, totally pieced together. I had, my shoe game was strong. I had shoes for outfits, you know, one pair of shoes could go with like three or four different outfits, but also I'd have like three pairs of shoes that could go with one outfit. Like it (laughs) was... God bless the person who falls in love with this version of Julia because he 100% missed out on the Julia that made an effort in her physical appearance every single day. Did you like doing it? I did at the time because, you know, like we talked about in the Mother's Day episode, that's what I thought I had to do to be, to fit the profile of being the mom I thought I wanted to be. Okay. But now then then I got fired. (laughs) And then it was like, and then I would, I continued to make that effort in my attempts to gain sustainable employment and it wasn't working. The things I did to survive in my nine to five situation, those same tactics weren't working. So then at some point, I think my second year of grad school, I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to wash and go with my hair as often as I want. I would never have worn workout clothes in public unless I was actually going to the gym. Now I'm like, I got to go to the store to get milk. This is what I'm wearing. Cool. Do I have a bra on? Yes. Okay. Let's go. That never would have happened five years ago. I grew up with that personality of never caring what I looked like. My mom would be like, Christina K, are you leaving the house like that? And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> nope. We didn't leave the house like that. You look good. You looked good. And it, and it wasn't a perception thing to the public. It was, you don't want... So my dad was in law enforcement for 30 years. Right. So there was this mentality of like how you behave outside of the home. Do you want that shit on the front page? How are you going to feel if somebody put your behavior on the front page? Like, would you be proud of it? Like what if somebody snapped your photo, would you be proud of that? And so, so that is my, nowadays I'm like, fuck, I don't want to run at anybody. Cause I look like shit half the time. So that is in the back of my head. Like I look like shit literally runs through my head every single day because I'm not making an effort. I'm not putting together outfits like I used to. And I think that's actually probably contributing to part of my, my little blues situation that's happening. I was going to say that makes me sad though, that like, that you feel like not good when you don't get ready. Like you don't feel pretty enough or something because I think you look really pretty without getting ready. And I think that you should feel really pretty without getting ready. And I think that's why like I genuinely like, don't feel pretty necessarily, but I genuinely do not care what people think about me because I'm like, my look should not matter what you're, or like what other people's opinions of my look should not matter. It should be how I feel. Mm -hmm. And so it should always should come from within. And for me, that means I'm not going to get ready so much until I get comfortable with my looks to the point where other people have to get comfortable with my looks. Yeah. Like, it's it's the total opposite of the spectrum but it's like I still have those thoughts where I'm like well no I don't think I look better than anyone not wearing makeup I just do it because I don't want to hide my own face and then wipe it off later and then be like oh well shit like I'd rather just look at my face all day and be like well shit and just never have that like extra layer of like well maybe there's hope (laughs) I guess I should clarify my full makeup face because I did do 
dancing and theater for a long time. So like in my mind, stage makeup is totally different, which is what you would, what I think a lot of women are doing the a version of nowadays. Okay. Which, okay. Cause it, cause you know, the contouring and yes. all that shit, like I'm not here for that. I'm no. not here for that. When I did full face makeup, I'm talking eyebrows, eyeshadow, mascara. Yes. I, you know, accentuated my cheekbones and made my skin on my face, all one color. But when I washed my face off, you could still see me. Okay. This, this makes me happy. And I'm glad you clarified because you're right. We were yeah, talking I can't about do different words. Thank you. I like, get ready every day, but for me getting ready is like, like making sure my eyebrows aren't wild, putting on <laughs> mascara and putting on chapstick. Yeah. And like, to me, I'm like, I look alive. I look bright. Let's go places I where other people alive. are like, let's put things on everywhere and make yeah, I don't get this Kardashian and like, face look, you know, it works for them, I guess. But for me, I'm like, if I wash my face off, like if I, if I go home with a guy or I bring a guy home and he doesn't recognize me the next day, that's a fucking problem. That's was, that's always my concern. That's always been my concern. I'm like mine. I guess it's because I'm a swimmer. I'm like, you can't go swimming with these people. Right. That, that was an actual fear of mine. I'm like, yeah. what am I going to do? Jump in the pool and then be like, oh no, I melted. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so for me, it was not part of my armor, I guess. It just made me feel better. I wish we lived in a world where we could, like, I wish I lived, how do I say this? Our world just doesn't work that way. It's yeah. very much like, oh, you look like shit in public. What's wrong with you? Like, why would you do that to yourself? It's very, we, we want to say it matters. We, well, we do say there's a whole culture about it, right? What's inside of you is what matters. The outside is just an extra. It doesn't like that shouldn't be your value, but we're receiving messages every single day that our outside is our value. What made you jealous about the, like about the younger world? Mine's two parts for this particular episode the first part is is that liza got to it looks like liza seamlessly got a do-over and she's got this hot boyfriend and she's just kind of living this best life the other part of it is she's got a girl group i'm not a girl group girl but i wish that i was regularly it's just it's just hard it's i'm a very independent person to a to a detriment so being in a girl group i've tried a couple times and it doesn't really work for me but i wish i could and seeing it on tv makes me so happy and then i do i do i feel i feel very i feel a little jealous when i see it so well done like it's done on younger because like that's what could be and i can't figure out how to make that work in real reality i get that I think those are good reasons to be jealous about that world. Super hot boyfriends. That's all I want. I just want just hot men fighting for my affection. That's all I want. All of them. <laughs> that used to be my life. That was my 20s and now it's gone. Well, that's going to be your 40s. Oh, yeah. If I can lose some of this fucking grad school weight. No, actually, it shouldn't matter if I'm skinny or not. It shouldn't matter. Thank you for coming to that conclusion on your own. I was waiting. I got a lot of deprogramming to do. A lot. From body appearances and whatnot. Let's talk about what about younger makes you jealous about whatever. All the things, all the lives. I'm jealous of their wardrobe, for one. And I'm jealous of these, they're like these apartments. Mm. Like, I don't understand how you're finding these apartments 
how you're keeping them and how they're staying so like clean and put together when you have this busy social life and work life. Like I'm barely at my apartment and it is always a mess. Always. I've had dishes in my sink, 30 dishes in my sink for, I don't know, a week. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I ran the dishwasher today, reloaded it and there's still dishes in the sink. And I don't even know how they got there because we didn't make dinner. So I'm like, where, where did they come from? In Maggie's defense, though, she does talk about how she's lived in Brooklyn forever. So she, so to me, so it she sounds can like, have, like she's rent control. And then so. Josh has a tattoo studio and he lives above it or some, right? But it's like, still a decent sized apartment. Like I, you hear yeah. all these horror stories about real estate in New York, in New York. And I'm just like, Darren Starr, thanks for making us think that we can live in New York in a, the most unrealistic way. <laughs> I mean, people do that to California all the time. Oh my God. I hate it when they drive across the Golden Gate Bridge to get to SFO. That's not fucking real unless you're coming from Marin County. Sorry. Also, like driving across Golden Gate Bridge is a pain in the ass. Also true. (laughs) Like you're only going if you really, really need to go. Oh, okay. But that's what makes me jealous. Is there freaking their nice apartments Mm -hmm. and how they're always clean? despite having like these nice fancy lives like yeah. i don't i don't believe you, do you have a maid? i don't believe it like do you have yeah. a maid Maggie? who's doing like- who's doing your chores who's doing your chores who's yeah. grocery shopping for you why do you always have groceries and like good groceries like yeah good food yeah who's who's getting your daily harvest bowls ma'am like why are you why is everyone also like pinnacle health people like how come everyone knows how to eat properly all the time i can't feed myself well for shit i used no, to i just ate a whole box of mac and cheese for dinner and i'm 27 years old that's not okay. healthy okay so i literally i do that four times a week i love you for that since christina and i recorded i've reflected more about the conversation we had about appearance In reading Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall, I realized that by being a well-dressed, perfectly put-together brown woman, especially when one is a solo mom, it was imperative to not reinforce any stereotypes or negative narratives that would come with looking the part of a poor single mom. My appearance was the first thing that people always noticed about me anyway, so why not, quote, shock them with my look not fitting their perception of a single mother? Strong, independent, disciplined, stable, fit, all of these labels were important to my surface when in reality, everything was held together by flimsy tape. The workout routine I had wasn't financially sustainable. The independence was only half true. I was strong in public only to come home and cry myself to sleep at night. I was only disciplined if I had the means to be. And when my employment status changed, my mental health took a dive and was no longer able to keep my image in focus. To make matters worse, I realized that I hadn't much of a social network to lean on in the depths of the emotions I was experiencing. I was lucky and grateful to have my parents, but it's a different type of support system than that of one's peers. Embarking on establishing new relationships while attempting to gain steady employment and enrolling into graduate school placed me in a position that I had never been in before. It was an experience one might have at 25 and single, not 32 and responsible for another human and household. And then I went from beautifully polished to damaged and dull. While many in my support network would argue against most of these things, the truth is the change in the way the world treated me now was difficult to navigate as my world is so predominantly white. 
How do I explain to my white friends what it's like being the prettiest woman in the room without sounding arrogant or conceited? Now I have the language to explain it because I have spent time connecting with the mixed biracial community online to learn and grow. But in 2016, I wasn't ready. I've spoken in other episodes about the racial prejudice I've experienced, but I've never talked in depth about the other side of that coin, which is benefiting from the the fetishization of the mixed race woman. And it's only in my current state that I'm realizing this truth. I am in the infancy of this realization and still have a lot of exploring and learning and growing to do. Younger is a reminder that the surface shit needs to change. Age, beauty, and size isn't an indicator of one's value and worth, yet we are constantly seeing reinforcements of this in pop culture. Everything works out for Liza. Her truth comes out, people eventually understand her motives, they realize the relationship they've developed with her is real, and yet her fictional world's challenges are temporary. Her ups and downs are buttoned up after two or three episodes ending in the expected resolution. But in my world, it's far more complicated and won't be resolved after one season.